In this episode, we interview Peter Atkinson, and we do a game review of Hot Shots. Roll the dice. Hey, nerds! It's Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Exclusive tabletop game podcast for the uh, Pacific Northwest. All levels of gamers. Analog gaming. Tabletop news. Stupid, mindless, bad. There will definitely be some bet. That's probably our best. Lot that, that's, that's our best, our best feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast, featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. This part of the episode is brought to you by Games Plus. From board games to role-playing games to miniatures, we have something for the whole family. Come to Games Plus in Lake Stevens, Washington. Now, back to our show. Hey, Geeks! Blue Samurai here, and welcome to Geeks of Cascadia, episode 20! 20! Yeah, we did it! And we are peaking way too much. But anyway, so... um, I am Blue Samurai, and welcome to Geeks of Cascadia. We are your podcast at Tabletop gaming news and cons and reviews and all that kind of stuff. With me is, I'm going to go, I'll start with my right. I'm Doug. I review games, and I sell games, and I play lots of games. It's like the trifecta of gaming. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's like the best get, place to be if you right. love games. I get exactly. to do it too, so I'm, I'm cool with that. Nice. And I am the Costasaurus, and sitting to my right is... I'm still Paul. Officially. <laughs> He's still Paul. He, so if you ask him tomorrow, <laughs> he will still be called. Yes. So this is a rare moment for us. It's got all five and I'm Kelly. here. You didn't Good. say that. Okay, sorry. You, you skipped me. I'm, I'm bad. I'm yes, bad. I'm yes, sorry. You yes. Well, maybe I'll edit that. I'm not going to edit any of this. Okay. So <laughs> we're all we're all here, all five of us. It's kind of a rare moment for us. I think, have we, all five of us, have we done this before? No. Um, no. I don't think it's one time. I think it was the, the four of us thing? minus... Kelly. Oh, okay. And then it was like the four of us minus Joe, and then probably the four of you at OrcaCon last year minus me. Yeah. I mean, it was the four of us Mm -hmm. at Dragonflight, Mm -hmm. and then the four of us at Navy Day. Yeah. And we got, and we just got done playing uh, Ice Cool. Fun game. Streamed it on Facebook. We did stream it on Facebook. You can check that out. There's some pretty cool shots on there, if I do say so myself. Yeah. In fact, I'm thinking about like downloading it in the like. Watching the slow mo version. What was it? Is that because you won? It is because I won. About that. Is that because of your sweet, the sweet moves that you got? That's right. Over walls, <laughs> I'm that good. I'm that good. So, what is going on in con news, Joe? Well, we've got a couple of cons that we're going to highlight here. So, we have something called OrcaCon coming up. Never heard oh, of really? it. Oh, really? Yeah. So, OrcaCon is going to be on Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. The reason I say that is because there are not a million working professionals, but uh, many people have that Monday off. It's a good day to just relax after our con. So, the con will be on the 12th, 13th, and 14th of January. That's the second weekend of January. And if this is your first time listening and you haven't gone to the site for a while, we are not going to be in Snohomish County in Everett. We will be in Bellevue this time over at the Hilton Hotel, which we have some great surprises in store for everyone that we're hoping to do some new things. We get a lot more space over there, don't we? Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah, we're trying to get some cool stuff going on. And then after that, in February, 
there is going to be something called Beyond Con, and that's going to be in Gig Harbor, Washington. That's February 9th through the 11th. And that con focuses on um, costuming and just focusing on different costume techniques and ideas and, and different tips. And there's going to be like workshops there and just ways to mingle with others that are passionate about costuming. And then after that, in March, looks like a con every every month there. Mm. In March is going to be My Little Baby, which I have gone to forever and I love. That will be Emerald City Comic Con. And that is going to be March 1st through 4th. So that's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the very first weekend of March. There's going to be amazing special guests there. Just go to Emerald City ComicCon.com to see that. There's too many to list. And that is in Seattle. At the Washington State Convention Center and Conference Center. Lovely building. Yeah. Right over the freeway. You can't it's, miss it. Really love the sky bridge, too. It's the good only place to get fresh air. Mm-hmm. So that's it for con news? Yep. All right. Well, we got OrcaCon coming up. So, Paul, what... Uh... Well, the, the main thing coming up with OrcaCon is online registration closes on December 26th. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we're still on some badges. Uh, you might want to get that done. Um, would... I don't know exactly where our cap is going to be for this venue, but um, we're selling some badges. So this, and this is this is the part where it really ramps up to already in is, December. Yeah. Yeah, get a hotel room now. Yeah, I, I believe the hotel oh, yeah. hotel block is not quite full yet. Um, I think that's still ninety nine dollars for the, yep. the cheapest cheapest room. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, yeah, no. yeah, and it's good price. And uh, if you're not going to stay at the hotel, the parking is free, which is what I'll be doing. I'll be driving back and forth because I like to be tired. Um, but and we also we're gonna have food trucks. We got a bunch of games. We have a Catan qualifying tournament. Catan or is it Catan? I don't know. It's official. Well, yep. Technically, it's, official. it's Settlers. Catan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they recently did a redo of the box, and they knocked the Settlers of Catan That's off of true, it, so it's do. now just Catan. Okay. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so we got that going on, and they're one of our sponsors <laughs> as well, which is awesome. And other than that, you're going to buy buying your badge at the door, which is which should be perfectly streamlined mm-hmm. and smooth. We we've got experience; we know what we're doing. So um, we're recording this right now, about a week away from <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> and hopefully, I will get this all packaged up and posted. But, Killing Doug, tell me what's been going on. What's the hot item? What are people buying at the uh, game stores? Well, we've got things like uh, Rhino Hero we can't keep in stock. And, of course, things like Exploding Kittens and Kittens in a Blender and Cards Against Humanity. That love just... Kittens in a Blender. Do you love Kittens in the Blender? Have you played the love... game? Yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. right. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. it's good. That's what I think protein <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Hot Shots coming out that oh, yeah. we're doing a review for on this episode. Isn't that like so a firefighting game? It it's, is, my, it's my new favorite solo player game. It is it is, like Backdraft the movie, but the game version? Yes, it is something like that. Someone's a villain? Uh, no. Turns out it was no, the whole time? No one's a villain. It's it's straight co-op for firefighting. There's push-your-luck mechanics in it with dice rolling, so it's nice. so a pretty nice game. It fairly accurately mimics like how fires act and... Not entirely perfect, but fairly accurate how fires act in the forest and such mm-hmm. like that. They contracted a fire science specialist. To oh, he went and talked to a ton of different firefighters. That's, Hot shots that's actually, actually really awesome. I like it when yeah. they do the research like that. So, so going into the holiday season and Christmas is just a week away, what would you two recommend for like uh, a family game? Like if I was just some 
dad or mom going to the store. It's like, I want to get something for the family that's fun. What do you, what do you guys recommend? We have an entire shelf of games Books. at the store just for that. <laughs> On it, we've got, there's Potion Explosion, where you're mixing different... Oh. Uh, and oh, remember yes. that. Isn't that kind of complicated, though? Uh, no, it's not. Not really, okay. no. It's <sighs> such a good game. Maybe for me. It's such a good game. Yeah. Uh, we've got that. We've got the Harry Potter Hogwarts battle game, which yeah. is done and we've got pretty Clank, well for us. Both regular Clank mm-hmm. and Clank in Space, which came out. Clank in Space has been pretty good, yeah. I believe we have a review of that, too. To one of the back episodes. Yeah. You, there's a review of Clank in Space? Uh, just the, no. In the works right now, yes. Okay. I'm down with the the regular Clank looked really cool, but I'm like okay on fantasy themes, but sci-fi themes like Clank in space. It is, is yeah. so meta. You can there's one of the equipments that you can pick up is the acoustic spanner. I love it. I love it. Yeah. There's definitely a guy like a fish dressed up like a, as as Prince from the Fifth Element. Oh, there's, no, not Prince. No. Uh, <laughs> not like Tucker. Not yeah. like yes, from, there you go. Yes. It's Chris Tucker oh, from yeah. the Fifth Element. Yeah. From the Fifth Element. So, it's what, what, so meta. So what nerdy stuff have you guys been doing? Uh, Paul and I, we uh, we played our D and D game we did. yesterday. Yeah, where, it was great. It was where Paul awesome. cursed me. Paul, I, and I, I don't have the power. <laughs> so, to curse so we're playing Storm King's Thunder. We're getting these artifacts of some kind. We went to this burial mound. There's a temple on it. Spoilers, the, by the way, guys. And yeah. and um, the 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 shrine is shaped like an elk thing. Yeah, and there's elk pictures everywhere. And, uh, yeah, but there's, there's. Is he the DM, and that's why you were cursed, no. or did no. he as a player no. curse no. you? I, I'm the warlock. I'm chaotic neutral. <laughs> it's like you walk into the room, you're cursed. <laughs> what? And so this this, this barbarian burial area mm-hmm. was, was shaped like an elk, and there's all of these um, drawings of people hunting elks around this this elk thing, and there's this. Um, like sacrificial altar thing with blood on it and everything. So we're like we're trying to figure out what what do did we need to do? Did you pray to it? No. You touch the blood. No. No. Well, well we're trying <laughs> to figure out. Did you sacrifice an elk? What to do it? we need to do? Did you to lick get it? it? So yeah. Paul came up. was like, well, we just need to hunt an elk, and there was elk right there. Yeah. And Paul clearly, clearly do these it. people are hunters, and I don't, I don't have those skills. So someone needed to shoot the elk. And he was, was the like, elk in the room. And with here's you? the thing. <laughs> Paul was looking at me, so he was trying to like. Hey Steve, you need to shoot this elk. Well, I not, mean, that's what basically yeah, you're you were a big doing. tough guy samurai. Like, so, so I went, oh, okay, I'll do it, and I, I shot the elk, and then immediately the DM went, oh, uh, roll, <laughs> roll for wisdom check. It's like, oh, son of a, and of course I failed because I rolled a three. Yeah, and I got cursed. Yeah, it was Thanks hilarious. To Paul. Yeah, it turns, so you turns shot out the elk turns out in was, the room was, next to the altar for the altar of the elks, but. We were thinking was, that maybe when we said it that way, it sounds pretty straightforward. Yeah. Then we figured out that was a bad idea. Yeah, that was hilarious. That was a very bad idea. And then we had to save the elk that I shot. Yeah, yeah. We, we chased yeah. it down the cleric heel. That was great. Three hours later, Didn't we help. saved the elk. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, uh, Joe, what, what have you done, nerdy wise? Um, nerdy wise, I have just been playing mad amounts of Call of Duty World War II. Um, that is my favorite <laughs> video game series, okay. with the exception of the last few games that they put out. So I've been playing that a lot, um, and then pretty much just doing work, learning, huh? learning things. Yep, working. I guess school counts as nerdy. Yeah, math, working, my eleven to twelve hour days. Yeah, yeah. but now I'm on break. All right, two and weeks. And Kelly, two weeks of break. What have you guys been doing? Slaving well, away at the store. Oh, yeah, obviously. Playtesting new games and getting paid for it. 
um, our playgroup uh, recently opened uh, season two of Pandemic uh, Legacy, mm-hmm. and we haven't beaten the tutorial yet. And we've played it like 10 or 12 times. Oh, goodness. But we don't want to open any of the cards until we can successfully play the tutorial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we keep losing. <laughs> yeah. Playtesting is good stuff. I just got a game from um, the Mad. The, oh, the people who put out Rory Stories Cubes. Um, oh, the Imagine, Imaginarium? Imagine, Imagination Hub? This is going to sound Say horrible. this like I'm supposed to know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I you should know. Yeah, you're you're this looking stuff. at us yeah. like yeah. I They do like Rory Story Cubes and everything like that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, they just sent a, a cool thing in. So I really like those. It's always fun when you get those opportunities to like do that. Like I got to play, um, play Test Dead of Winter, which was a lot of fun. Um, but it's also at the same time really sucks because you have to sign the NDA. And so I'm playing like Dead of Winter and I'm like, this is amazing. But I can't tell anyone about it. And you know so, you're on a podcast. Right. Yeah. No, no, this is game already came out. Yeah, yeah. Came out. And, and I didn't okay. give any information about the one I'm playing testing now. So then, of course, that came out and was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. So it was really Doug, you you got a uh, D&D crew, right? I have a D&D Every group, Wednesdays? Yeah. Every Wednesdays. How's that going? You the DM or you a player? I am the DM. So, I haven't played 5th edition as a player in years now. So, so if, you're, if you know people that are looking for players... I would be interested. But uh, we're doing... That's a mo- call for help, I think. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just come down to the store on like Mondays and Wednesdays. Or you can join I us on Wednesdays. I run the one on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm probably going to join my raid leaders group. But we're doing a Tomb of Annihilation. Oh, uh, okay. They kind of had the same situation that you guys ran into. They came upon this temple. It's shaped like a man that's carrying a crocodile on his back. And so there's, <laughs> Don't there's, kill a crocodile at the altar. No, 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 no. It's, it's not quite like that because mm-hmm. their guide recalled a folklore tale mm-hmm. from ways past about a man trying to cross a river decides not to go through it because there's crocodiles in it. So one of the crocodiles decides to carry him across on his back for a favor. So he does that, and then the man turns around to the crocodile on the other side. Okay, what's the favor? And now the crocodile wants the man to carry him around through all of the man of men's realms. That's yeah. a that's because a bad deal. A bad deal. It is because if you see a crocodile on land, typically you'll in that heavy. scenario. Yeah, they're they're pretty heavy. Uh, you'll probably end up killing it. So it's kind of got tricked like that, and that's kind of why man in this realm uh, will never be friends with crocodiles again. So this comes into play in mm-hmm. the the temple because to safely go through all of the traps and spoilers. there are spoilers by the right. way spoilers <laughs> uh, to go through the traps and there are multiple ones you have to carry an ally on your shoulders. Okay, okay, That's interesting. so yeah, the first one there's uh, a pit trap which we had one person fall into, and the thing is, you go past the trap. And there's like another seven foot ledge that you should mm-hmm. climb up to, which you could possibly fall off the other person and then fall back onto the trap. Oh. And it would trigger again. <laughs> so drop them. So anyone died in your uh, adventure? Uh, you? Not yet. No. It's been pretty close. This, you're a this jerky, temple was Are you a jerky close. DM? Or are you. Not nice... typically, no. Okay. That's good. I'm not that spicy. So you're totally not how you re- really are. Now. No, no. <laughs> good. All right. I was a little bit yesterday, but the the kid was kind of asking for it. Well, what I do love is the fact that you two, even though you're doing all these geeky, nerdy stuff, you're running the store, that you have time for Geek's Tabletop Game Review. So uh, 
What what's next again? Hot shots. Hot shots. Okay, well let's hear what you guys have to say. This episode has been brought to you by Vern and Wells, an all-inclusive members-only social club for geek professionals in the style of Victorian parlors of old, a space for this new breed of geek. Visit us at www.vnw.club. Vernon and Wells, Imperium and Imperio. Now to our show. Hey everyone, this is Doug here with another Geeks Tabletop Game Review. And as always, I'm joined with... Kelly. Hey guys. How you doing, Kelly? I'm doing good. How's it going, Kelly? Pretty good. So we got a new game, new-ish game for you. It is Hot Shots. Gotta feel so excited to do this review. Been excited since May for this game. No, it was March because you saw... It was was Gamma. It was Gamma, yeah. I saw the, the prototype of Gamma. Yeah. So excited. So this is a game uh, designed by Justin DeWitt. He is most notably famous for Castle Panic, Dead Panic, Bears. Yeah. Pretty much all of the games that this publisher puts out. Hint, he owns the publisher. He and his wife. She does a lot. Yeah, she does all They're really of nice. The... They've been around before. Yeah, we've had them here hosting some, some games. We should have them... Do a thing! Come play some games. We'll have to we'll have to contact them. No, do a review. What's it like to be a publisher and a game designer? Yeah, we could totally talk to, to Steve to do that. Hey Steve. Go go talk to them. We'll talk to them for you if need be. Alright. Figure out when they're in this region again. So yeah. Uh anyway. Justin DeWitt, great guy, great great game uh, designer. Great sense of humor. Totally, yeah. <laughs> uh it's got artwork from uh Victor Perez Corbella. He's done other games like Champions of Midgard. He did Dead Panic for uh, them. And a few other uh, Warhammer and uh, 40K games, most notably Relic and their uh, LCG from Fantasy Flight, the Warhammer Conquest. So, okay. Yeah. I like the artwork. It's pretty nice. Um, especially on these tiles. Yeah, it, it fits. So that's, that's always nice. Uh, and it's published by Fireside Games. Owned, owned and operated by Justin and Anne-Marie DeWitt. Who would have thought? I like Fireside Games. They do cool things. They they are they're pretty nice. Yeah, they got they got a kaiju game coming out. Do they? I think so. Yeah. Okay. It looks it looks pretty good. I saw it at Origins. I don't know if it was in the final. <laughs> anyway, anyway <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on to this. Uh, so it's a cooperative firefighting game, specifically forest firefighting game uh, for one to four players, ages ten and up. Uh, and the box recommends 60 minutes, uh, but I have found with a bunch of experienced players you can get it down to 30 minutes. Uh, or if you're playing by yourself, it's about 30 minutes. Um, there's a lot less talking between the players, so it cuts down on time. Uh, that being said, it's a risk-reward, uh, push-your-luck type of game. Uh, <laughs> You as a team are trying to go out and fight these fires. You roll the dice and you have to match a, the symbols on the bottom of the tile uh, with the dice that you rolled. Now, if you match three, you get a very basic reward of a fire break. If you match all six, you remove three fires and you get a support token and you get a fire break. So depending on how far uh, you're willing to roll um, is going to depend on whether or not... I guess sometimes we use statistics on whether or not you can actually get... Um, that Pulaski or shovel that you need. Um, but if you fail, 
you actually add fire to the tile uh, and get no rewards whatsoever, which could cause the tile to scorch, uh, and you'll lose that tile permanently. Uh, the game is lost when either base camp burns or you have eight or more scorched tiles at the end of any one player's turn. This is hindered or affected by various types of tiles. There's things like the propane tank. Uh, when you lose the propane tank, it adds fire to everything around it. Uh, just like the hotel adds fire to about three tiles around it. Uh, but then there's also like the lake. And the lake, uh, because you're working next to the water and such, you have an actual, you have a, we, a support. support. They call it a support. support yeah. uh, but it's, it's a, in effect a free fail. Uh, you can fail once on the dice and not suffer the consequences of the failure uh, and then you can continue whether or not you want to roll from there. Um. Now, setup for the game is pretty simple. You shuffle all the tiles together, play them out, build it just like you would a Catan board. Basically concentric rings going outward. Now we've got a setup here. We've got the lake in the middle, which seems pretty good because it supports all of the tiles around it, which is pretty nice. But we got the propane tank. Next to base camp. Next to base camp. <laughs> and the airfield is all the way on the other side oh, of the yeah, board. Oh, yeah, the airfield's on the other side. So that'll, that'll be pretty tough uh, when we would actually start playing this game. And you can uh, change the difficulty on yourself for experienced players uh, by changing the layout of the board. Uh, but for basic play, it does recommend the Catan setup. Yeah. And then we would set up these nice, lovely plastic fire uh, tokens. On. They're very pretty. They are very nice. Uh, really good components for it. You'll set those up on some predetermined spaces and a predetermined amount on each space. And the wind starts north. And then the wind starts north. Which will become important later. Oh, it will. And everyone gets to be one of these handy-dandy crew members. We did decide uh, it was Sawyer. With some special abilities. Yeah, it is Sawyer. Yeah. Like Tom Sawyer? Yeah. Yeah. So you can be a swamper, you can be a sawyer, you can be the crew boss or the spotter. Now the swamper and the sawyer, their abilities are pretty self-explanatory. They have two different symbols that they can use vice versa for. One interchangeably. Card. Yeah, interchangeably. Uh, so the swamper has its uh, McClouds and shovels are the same for him. Uh, he can just change any McLeod into a shovel and any shovel into a McLeod. Uh, he used them. He is proficient at both of those tools. Uh, and then the Sawyer, or the Sawer, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, can use chainsaws and axes interchangeably. He is proficient at both of those tools. Uh, so on the dice, you can change any uh, chainsaw into a Pulaski and any plain Pulaski into a chainsaw. Yep. And the crew boss is pretty nice. He, uh, on his turn, can have any one person move one space. Yep. That is pretty good. If you want, you can have someone join you at a fire to fight it together, and that person there gives you a support. Yeah, every additional firefighter in the square gives you a support. So that could be... Or a free fail. Or a free fail, yeah. However you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty nice. Uh, I have done that multiple times. Or having them move farther on the map so on their turn they can... Reach the fire. Reach the fire that's probably going to intensify and possibly scorch. Which comes to the spotter. Yeah, the spotter. Uh, he's, his ability is pretty nice. It's when you would draw a fire card. You draw two... You get to choose one to actually play for the turn, and then you put the other one back on top. So you get to look ahead at what the weather is going to be. Mm -hmm. And you can discuss amongst yourself what the plan is before it gets to that. 
Yeah. So that's pretty nice. So on your turn, uh, you basically do three things. You move. Pretty simple. You move up to two spaces. There are some support uh, tokens that let you move farther or allow you to move through fire. Because you, you can move to fire, you can move out of fire, but you cannot move through yeah. fire. So pretty much when you move into a space with fire, you stop. And you gotta fight it. Which gets us to the fight the fire phase. Where, like Kelly said, you will pick up all the dice that you have available, you roll them, and you'll try and match symbols on the dice to symbols that are on that space. Now each space has a different combination of the six different uh, faces on the die, the symbols on the die. Now just like zombie dice, you don't have to stop with one roll. Or with Yahtzee, you don't have three rolls. You have as many as you choose to continue rolling. Yeah, so if I roll the dice and I'm over here trying to fight this fire on the power lines, and I roll two firefighters and uh, a chainsaw, I could try and roll my last three dice after I match those three to try and match the other chainsaw and the two axes. If I roll and I don't match any of those, I have failed to fight the fire, and there's... Cause a blowout. Cause a blowout. The fire intensifies. In that case, in this case... It would scorch this tile, and since I'm on that tile, I get consumed by the fire. And the team loses a die. Which can be retrieved. It sits on the base uh, camp tile until somebody decides to go back and get them. Mm -hmm. We played, the first time I played this at Origins, we had five dice for like three or four rounds among the three of us playing. And it it was pretty intense, but we were able to successfully fight through the fires and end up winning. But yeah, it was pretty nice. Also on your turn, instead of fighting a fire, you could use a vehicle to fight fires. Now there's there's three different ones. There's a truck, which allows you to place out some fire breaks uh, along some of the tiles, which is pretty nice to prevent fire from spreading. There is the plane. The plane lets you drop water on three different tiles all in a line. Uh, So you can't do uh, the triangle formation that's not typically allowed. But you can do like a curve of three, a straight line of three, however you deal with it, and it'll take off a fire token from each of those tiles. Brush rig and air tanker are the officials. And then you have the helicopter. <laughs> Which is actually called a helicopter. Oh, <laughs> I got one out of three. That's pretty good. <laughs> helicopter, you basically you take it over to one tile, it drops its load of water on the tile, and it puts out three fire tokens. Now that can be pretty good if you just got this one space over in the corner that's just slowly been building up. It allows you to take care of that immediately. And yeah. Or if you've got something that's really close to scorching that's in the middle of a pretty intense area, it gives you a little bit of a break. Yeah. And these are one-time use tokens. Once they're used, they go back into the box until the next game. There are certain tiles on the board that correspond to certain abilities and bonuses in the game. Such as, if the airfield burns, if you scorch the airfield, you can't use the planes anymore. Uh, Just like if you lose uh, the The supply depot, you lose all of your support tokens. Uh, And each crew member, each player, has a corresponding tile that if that scorches, they will also lose their ability and become basic firefighters. Mm Mm-hmm. So, picking and choosing what you're going to do first. Also got to watch out for these power lines. Uh, Can't have any uh, anything flying over those. Dropping water down. That could be 
very bad. Rocky terrain's hard to get in and out of. Oh, yeah. Lots of things like that. So um, many things to consider. Yeah. After you've fought the fire for the turn, uh, then what you... What is with you and fight the power? Oh, my gosh. It's every time we say it. <laughs> Whatever. You will draw a fire card. Now, there's lots of fire cards. We'll go through basic examples of each. There's wind movement change. The wind blows and it starts blowing in a different direction, which could affect more fire cards down the way. It causes the fire to circumvent your fire breaks. Pretty much, yeah. There are fire intensifies cards. So the fire builds up on certain numbered spaces. Like this one, a four grows by two, which could cause it to scorch, depending or on what. You put a flame token on a two and a five. Yeah, things like that. There are uh, falling debris cards. Oh, geez. Which start fires on other specific tiles on the board or intensifies those fi- those fires. Yeah. Pretty much anything, mostly anything, will intensify a fire. <laughs> then we get some, some gusts of wind. Now, there's two different gusts of winds. There's the strong gusts of winds and there's the light breezes. Light breezes come in two varieties. There's non-combining and combining. Pretty simple. Intensifiers and non-intensifiers. Yes. So if the wind blows in this direction and we got this fire here and it's non-combining, uh, it still spreads one space, which kind of sucks, unless there's a fire break for these light so breezes. It pushes the fire in the direction of the wind. Yeah. Which causes it to put a... Uh, you take a, one of these cool flame tokens and put it on the tile next in the direction of the wind from the fire. Yeah. That's just a, on anything for any of the wind blows. So for a combining one, you look still in that line that the wind is blowing. If there's uh, the fire intensifies, it still goes that way and then goes to the next tile after that. And the next tile and or the next, the next tile. tile. Yeah. It, so, it does all of them in a row, not just the one on the end. Yeah. That is can be pretty hectic when that happens. It's the rudest thing in the world. It's, it's the worst <laughs> card to have on top. Yeah. That <laughs> you is. don't want that turn one. No. And then we get to the strong breezes. Strong breezes go over the fire breaks that you place down, and it comes in the, the non-combining and the combining. Uh, yeah. Like the like the light breezes. It ignores fire breaks. Yeah, those those are not that great. But I think those are, are more uncommon than the the other breezes. I think there's like if I remember. three in the deck of the combining fires. Something like that. You could look and then know your statistics and deal with it that way. Oh, easily. Oh, well. Um, but those are types of fire cards. Uh, and if a tile scorches, it flips over, like Kelly said before, spreads to another uh, tile adjacent to it. Uh, and yeah. It, it can be a pretty bad day because one tile could scorch, which causes Another an adjacent tile to scorch. And then it just causes And then you lose. Just like that. It could happen just like that. On the plus side, a scorch tile is better than a fire break. <laughs> That's true because it can't have fire it added have to it. It can't have fire added to it, and fire can't go across it or pass through it. Which I is guess that's fine. the worst kind of firefighter. I, <laughs> I really hope that <laughs> there's not actual firefighters that play like me when dealing with actual fires of it. Oh, we should do that. We should get some guys in here. I don't... 
for next time. Maybe? Maybe. So, anyway. pros and cons, what do you like about this? Uh, I definitely appreciate the amount of... Um, detail? Attention to detail? Attention to detail. I was going to say, the uh, he went through and he talked to actual firefighters about things that happened when developing the fire deck and how key it was and just the different things you need to do and how accurate this game is, I think, having not actually fought a fire, uh, in depicting how the forest fires actually go. Yeah. Uh, investigation. Lots. Study. Investigation. Yeah. It's the word I was looking for. Research. Research. It's the other word I was looking for that yeah. went into this. And, like, they use actual tools and names. Uh, the Pulaski is actually a firefighting tool. Just like the McLeod and all of these things that he went a through. A shovel. A shovel. Um, well, anyway. Uh, there's great replayability because, I mean, you randomize the tiles every time. Or put them in different layouts. Or put them in different layouts. He has different national park layouts in there, which I think is a pretty nice uh, nod to uh, the different national parks out Absolutely. there. Like you said earlier, difficulty level can be changed. Uh, what do you mean by that? So just by choosing where the tile layouts are, Oh, yeah. um, like if you're playing Grand Canyon, you keep it really, really narrow, and you start with the airstrip on one end, or with the fire all on the other end, and you have to go through the rocky terrain to get to the fire. And base camp is obviously at the top of the canyon, and you have to get down to the canyon to do these these things. Um, all of that it makes for a very, very difficult time, and you're barely scraping by if you are winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've played this game maybe once where I've had a clean game where I haven't lost a single t- tile. Uh, and that was a solo game. <laughs> I have yet to play a game with anyone else uh, that I haven't lost more than, or less than four tiles. It just happens. It just happens. Yeah. I don't know what it is about solo games, but I seem to have better scores. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were saying something earlier about uh, some component issues that you thought... Oh, just small things that bother me. Uh, I, the the fire is triangular, which makes it slip out of your hands if you try and grab from anywhere but the base. Um, the fire breaks don't fit together if you have more than one on the same tile, and occasionally they cover uh, the dice requirements for the tile. It's very small component issues. Yeah. Uh... And card size could be a little bit bigger. Just for shuffling, because it's such a tiny deck. To yeah. shuffle that few cards that are these small. Small things. I I think I sold this the other day to a Cub Scout. Or a oh, Boy yeah. Scout. Because he was looking for a game to just throw in his backpack and take uh, out camping It's sometime. small. It's very easy. You don't have to keep it in the box. You can toss it all in the bag no, that's yeah. there. And, and it, I think it would fit in maybe a 400 count box. Mm-hmm. Which is very compactable. Yeah. It's pretty nice. That's kind of one of the reasons I offered it to him. Uh, plus, he was looking at Castle Panic, but I'm like, Castle Panic is kind of big because it's got a board and it's got all those cards. So I think this this would work out better. Yeah. Would you buy? Yes, yes, no, yes, no. I already have. You already have. That's right. <laughs> you totally bought the, the, the week it came out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a good game. I enjoyed it. I played it one week when we demoed it with Bob, and we played like three games in an hour. Which is... 
me and my friend Jason have I, I think I sold it on the minute I started talking about it excitedly about it and then we came back to his house a week later and he, he'd already gone through everything all of the other layouts and all these kind of stuff and he, uh, it's a great solo game yeah I mean, it plays really well with four players, but if you're alone in your house for weeks on end, take this game. Without power. <laughs> <laughs> that could definitely work, yeah. All right, thanks everyone for listening. It's been Doug here in, at Games Plus in Lake Stevens with Kelly. Uh, if you got any requests for games you want us to review... Email us, email us, email us. Email us, uh, geeksofcascadia at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on the Facebook page, the Geeks of Cascadia Facebook, and our Games Plus page. We check those almost regularly, so we will we will see it. Uh, until next time, bye. Bye. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Around the Table, Linwood's premier game store and hangout for game lovers of all ages. Buy a game, play one of ours, or join us for a drink. Whichever you choose, you'll have a great time. Around the Table Game Pub. Now back to our show. Well, that was a really awesome game review. Hot Shots, as I was learning from the awesome two people that are also sitting here with us right now. Doug and uh, Kelly. Oh, it was you, I thought it was <laughs> us. I was getting... Oh, okay, yeah. um, I like the fact that I was kind of talking about the fire science earlier, and you are saying like they actually talked to some firefighters and stuff for the game, and that's that's I love when that research is done, so I would really like to play the game. So I thought cool. it was an amazing review, actually. I it, didn't even Steve listen to it. Steve only cares about how yeah. well the interview went, not how well the game well, was. The game, the game looks really fun. We right. saw it at Navy Day. And of course, I just want to make sure it's uh, 20 minutes, I think. That's the parameters I gave you, and that's what you did, so thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Now, one thing we forgot to mention on the in- intro is what the, the nerdy thing that you and I did last week. Yes. We went down to Gen Con headquarters, and we talked to Peter Atkinson, owner of Gen Con. The man himself. The man who made so much fun happen over yes. the past decades. He owns Gen Con? He does. Yeah. Or does he run Gen Con? No. He owns it. No. Okay. He's got people. Yeah, he's got people. He's got people. But he he used to own, as we all know, and listeners should know, he he did own Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, he's one of the founders of Wizards of the Coast. And what? what, That'll do it. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, That guy. I I know that guy, yeah. And you know what's interesting is the story we heard about Magic the Gathering is that when. Um, God, who's the the guy that designed? I can't. Robo Rally. Richard yes. Garfield. Yes, Richard, Richard Garfield. Yes, yeah. oh, I can't <laughs> tell you. That's not a brain fart. But anyway, so Richard comes up with the concept of Robo Rally, uh-huh. and Peter's like, um, you know, I don't really like this. Do you can you well, give he, me he, something with he cards? He liked or it. You just wanted something a little bit yeah. easier to produce. Some, and then he comes back with magic. So had Peter not rejected. The first rally time. the first time uh-huh. we would have had magic so thank you Peter for rejecting <laughs> exactly yes. which is funny because Robo Rally funny. is my mom's favorite game it's no, played every uh, Thanksgiving both great games B- both mm-hmm. and then we got to talk about when um you know the when he purchased TSR which included Gen Con yes and then other stuff that we'll get to in the interview that's right but it was really fun what is well, TSR <coughs> Dungeons and Dragons yes <laughs> oh. but yeah, what is the T in the SNR? I know strategic 
is S. Role playing. Like that's tactical, what I'm thinking. Like, what does TSR? I think it is tactical, tactical strategic, strategic role playing. Mm. I can't Quick, believe it. somebody with a Google device. Yes. If only we had a, a device and you had all, all the knowledge of man. <laughs> it would be awesome. Wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm not allowed to play Rover Rally anymore. Oh no! What did you do? Did your pro officer he, say you can't? He knocked. He accidentally knocked my mom off the board like twice in like two consecutive <laughs> turns. But this was also the game that I joined like five or six rounds in, and I still ended up winning. Oh no! Nice. So you, it yeah. wasn't that you won. My mom doesn't care about that. It's that you consecutively two turns in a row knocked my mom off the board. <laughs> Things happen. Did you do it on purpose? Accident. No, the first time I'm pretty sure was an accident. The second time, no. Are you not allowed to do that? Is that like a? Oh no, you're allowed to do it. It kills the other player. Yeah. So they come. They have to respawn. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm pretty good at it. So (laughs) Uh, does she not like it when people like kind of play more cutthroat or? I don't even. So have you you played Robo Rally? No, but my favorite type of games are pretty much cutthroat games. My wife and I play those all the time. You pre-program your robot, and then. You're not allowed to change your cards or anything, and you just turn over your cards one, one by one, and you okay. interact with what those robots are going to do. It's like so, Cold Express. It yes, is like Cold Express. Except much more complicated. Well, let's Which hear is about, fine by me. Let's hear about that and other things produced by Wizards of the Coast from, oh, yeah. from Peter Atkinson. <laughs> hey, geeks. We have a special guest with us today. We've got Peter Atkinson. Peter, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me. How are you? Oh, great. You're like this magical unicorn that we got on here, so we're, we're really happy to I have you. I have to adjust my awesome. costume. I know. It's, it's a big deal for us with Geeks of Cascade. Oh, please. <laughs> so, Peter, um, thank you for inviting us to here at Gen Con headquarters, where we are at right now. This is awesome. Sure. Is absolutely. Great. A little um, cozy little spot here in Lesha. And I had a great time at Gen Con. Had a lot of interviews. I was oh, really good. happy. Did you get to the uh, museum? I did get to the museum, and I, you know, did a little homage and uh, to uh, the great Gary Gygax. You know, oh, the display yes. there. Yes, yes. So, and you got to meet Gary, did you not? Yes, I did. Um, I had some nice experiences uh, when I was at Wizards. You know, we when we bought TSR uh, yes. in um, nineteen ninety nine. Boy, that's a long time ago. Um, uh, I was out there frequently during acquisition and. It's sometimes awkward to hang out with employees of a company you just uh, bought. Oh, so yeah, I, yeah, right, so right. I, I would hang out with Gary Gygax. So right. It was great. Lots of stories awesome. and games. Well, and, you know, a little bit about that. Let's go back a little bit further. So how did you go – how did you start into this um, business? I mean, originally you – I mean, kind of the early stages of Wizards of the Coast. What did you yeah. do before that? What's yeah, well, I was a uh, uh, well, I was a geek, computer geek. I had a mm-hmm. computer science degree uh, when I graduated from 1985. Uh, went and worked at the Boeing company. Um, was working in aerospace. It was a lot of fun, systems analysis type yeah. work, mm-hmm. um, and it was good. But I really wanted to be my own boss, and I was a gamer. I've been gaming mm-hmm. ever since I was a kid. So. Uh, I thought, hey, you know, let's start a start a game company. Why not? So yeah. I got, got together with my friends, <laughs> and we just, we we started Wizards of the Coast. And you just left, and you left Boeing at the time, or did you do both? At the same I, I time? did both for like about three years. Uh, okay. I was like one of the last employees hired of the original crew okay, uh, okay. because it was uh, you know be, until we had Magic the Gathering mm-hmm. and got going, it was making money. Until then, you know, we didn't have much money, so yeah. uh, my mm-hmm. Boeing salary. Was, right. right. <laughs> 
was very important. <laughs> so it was when that transition, when you bought Magic, is when you went, hey, this thing's good. I can leave my Boeing job right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wasn't that a little scary, though? I mean, you're living, I mean, you went from uh, it was, secure paycheck. It was more paycheck. of a relief. I've been doing really? it for okay. three years. And I don't know. Yeah, it was leaving a secure paycheck. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was young. I was yeah. 29 when yeah. I started Wizards. So. Right. And so, you know, when you're young, you don't you think you're invincible. That's right. And, uh, you just, <laughs> and it was more like, finally, I get to leave my day mm-hmm. job, yeah. and, you know, and, and do this full time. And, and how did that come up? I mean, obviously, you did they approach you, the designer of Magic? Or did you uh, so Richard them? Garfield, I uh-huh. met him. Uh, he was a freelance game designer, an amateur game designer. He'd never been published. Um, uh, he a was teacher, pitching, right? uh, Yeah. Well, at the time I met him, he was okay. still a grad student. Students. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. he was at the University of Pennsylvania studying combinatorial mathematics, and uh, him and his buddy Mike Davis were pimping a game called Robo Rally, which we would eventually uh, yes. publish. I remember that. Yeah, uh, but in discussing with him, I was I was very intimidated at the idea of trying to do a board game. Also, didn't think it was going to be that big a deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and because um, something you know, a board, you got rules, you got tokens, you got. Box, you know, and I mean, right. it just seemed like lots of stuff we uh-huh. hadn't done before. So I suggested a card game, and um, and he came back with well, a collectible card game, yes. <laughs> the oh, first right, ever, right. which is, of course is way beyond what uh, I was expecting. But, Did you yeah. know it was a collectible card game, or was it like, hey, I got a game made of cards, and eventually went, hey, these people are like. Well, he, keeping this. Well, that was it. that was integral. No, that was integral to the design. Okay. It was Richard's okay. initial design, and and he, we always preferred the term trading card game. Um, right. And uh, that, you know, a game with cards, you would trade them, and each player has their mm-hmm. own deck. And you know, the the fundamental building blocks of, of what a trading card game is with starters and boosters mm-hmm. and different editions. But all that was new, and that, you know, that had never happened before. It was a completely right. revolutionary idea, and that uh, Richard, you know. Deserves all the credit for it. He, That's he, brilliant. Like my yeah. friend, back then, he he liked to, to collect things. Right. But he wasn't so much playing playing magic, but he was just collecting them and putting them in a book. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah. I'm sure there's many more people like that out there. There were well, and the art was really uh, interesting for magic at the time mm-hmm. yeah. because while um, I would say the art was was always amazing art, it was a lot of fantasy art that was in color, and it wasn't mm-hmm. easy in those days to see a lot of fantasy color art, uh-huh. right? Because not that much mm-hmm. fantasy color art would get made. Right? Yeah. They'd, they'd make the covers of major role playing books and mm-hmm. novels. Um, but now, all of a sudden, here's hundreds of pieces of uh-huh. fantasy art. Yeah. So collecting right. them into <laughs> sleeves was uh, kind of like storing a bunch of little art pieces. And what did you have? Be- did you have any other games before that, or was it? Uh, yes. Well, we did uh, role playing games. You did uh, role playing. I, I started okay. Wizards of the Coast to do role playing games, okay. and so we uh, uh, first book that we published was called The Primal Order, which was written with the, by yours truly, but with okay. a lot of co-authors and it, a lot of mm-hmm. help. And it's about mythology and role playing mm-hmm. games, and uh, we had a product line called Talislana. So yeah, so we were doing role playing lines, which came out before Magic. The right. Gathering did, right? Uh, but if it wouldn't have been for Magic, we and how did you luck out getting the Met? Because I'm sure he went to other publishers, or there wasn't that many not, back then. Not and... really. I mean, he had Richard and actually Mike Davis, who was helping him uh, promote it, mm-hmm. uh, had gone to a bunch of publishers with Robo Rally, and um, so, uh, but Magic came out at as part of a conversation Richard Garfield had right. with me. And I think Richard f- probably felt some sense of like, hey, I had this conversation with Peter. That's, you know, and then after that, I came up with the idea. It was in the okay. context of doing a, mag- a card game for um, Wizards of the Coast. So I, I think wow. Richard... 
probably felt like he should give me the first shot at yeah, it. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's right, man. <laughs> and, and we gave him a hell of a deal. We, you know, we said, yeah, we want to publish it. Mm-hmm. We set up a separate company that owned the game originally mm-hmm. called Garfield Games. And then later we merged the two companies. And he ended up being mm-hmm. the largest shareholder was of the coast. Uh, so, you know, I, I think we did right by him. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay, totally. I mean, that's amazing. It's like I, I didn't realize that really magic came out of, a, of initial rejection of another popular game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's amazing. Um, that's a story I never and even heard of. And it is still cranking like oh, crazy. Yeah. They enter a game store on release yeah. night. It's it's amazing. Packed. Yeah. yeah. It's. Yeah. I was just yesterday, I was doing some mm-hmm. Christmas shopping, and I went into a Barnes & Noble, and there's this big magic display. And I, I just paused and looked at it and goes, wow, you know, that's so cool. I'm so happy to have had that, mm-hmm. have been associated with that, and, and been instrumental in getting this to market, you know, uh, decades ago. Right. And here it is. Uh, and back in those days, you wouldn't see products like Magic the Gathering and right. Barnes no, & Noble. No. I mean, you yeah, know, you, right. you, you, you know, th- this was, you see Monopoly and mm-hmm. Sorry, and, yeah, tw- you know, exactly. you, you know uh, and there was this, all this shelving devoted to, you know, tabletop games there. Well, really, that, that great. you, you kind of, Put that in the mainstream, right? Tabletop right. games and all that. I mean, your your company did that. It's well, we helped, but there were lots of well, stuff yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, you know, the obviously. whole society was mm-hmm. changing. You know, has has mm-hmm. been changing in that direction. You know, geekdom, mm-hmm. you know, has become cool. Yeah. You know, uh, in 1978, there was nothing cool about playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> that <is> very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we did it anyway, right. and right. Uh, you know. But now it's it's cool to play Dungeons yeah. and Dragons you know, or Magic. I mean, it's it's. It's cool to be a gamer, yeah. Because people, you know, because the gamers are smart, you know. <laughs> and, and so, out of out of this, where you you created Magic the Gathering or help help market it and everything. So, did Pokemon come first, or did TSR come after that? <clears throat> uh, so yeah, so we um, uh, we came out with Magic the Gathering was released mm-hmm. in '93. Um, we acquired TSR in uh, 1997. And then, oh, okay. And then uh, the Pokemon license right. about a year later, okay, uh, 1990, right. the very end of 1998, mm-hmm. I believe, was when Pokemon. It's, it's harder and harder to remember these dates. <laughs> I bet. You've done, you've done, a, lot of, you've done a lot of things. So, <laughs> you know, I, I know you're a very humble man. You don't like to say that you, you, you know, you did all these things, but uh, I, I think you saved, you saved D&D. I mean, TSR was on the down, downward slope. Before it, you well, bought it. it, it certainly helps that it it certain D certainly um, turned around and. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but, you know, if we wouldn't have bought it, somebody else would have bought it. I mean, like, like I, yeah, I'm, I'm, but, but I'm, you saved role playing. But thank you. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I feel flattered, and, and I'm, I'm glad. I'm really, really happy. I was mm-hmm. in the right place at the right time, and, and had the money and the support of my board of directors to go out right. and buy it and turn it around and get it, going. But you know, the, it, it seriously, if we wouldn't have done it, somebody else would have. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know, and I remember, I, I remember having. After all that, having meetings with Wizards people, and I would often say, you know, just keep in mind, we've got the two best games ever designed in the history oh, of the yeah. world yeah, yeah. under one company. Exactly. So just, just remember yeah. that, right? So, I mean, Dungeons & Dragons would have would have survived if it wouldn't have been for me, but I'm, I'm happy we did. Did TSR come to you or did you go to TSR? I know at that particular time, they were, they were in financial trouble at the time. 
Did they were they were like calling so people? They, they, or? they were trying to do business with anybody but me. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so Ryan Dancy mm-hmm. uh, is the unsung hero in this story. Mm-hmm. He he was um, in contact with them. Okay. Uh, he's the local. He, he lives here in the Seattle area and uh, has been in the game industry for a long time. And he mm-hmm. he was trying to raise the money and broker a deal to buy them. Um, and uh, he didn't quite get there. I think he thought he was close at one point and somebody mm-hmm. pulled out. It didn't, couldn't quite bring it together. Right. So so he called me and said, Are, would you be interested? And I, yeah, but I'm not going to give the money to you. I mean, I'm interested in buying it for my own company right, right, and I'll right. hire you. Right, yeah, right, right. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, Ryan, you give me this deal, you can run TSR. <laughs> but I'm going to own it. So uh, uh, so Ryan went back to uh, mm-hmm. uh, the owners of TSR and said, yeah, we got the money, but you're not going to like who it's from. Because we were competitors. You know, we were oh, yeah. competitors. Oh, yeah. It's tough. You know, ego-wise, it's tough mm-hmm. to get bought by a company that's um, beat you in the market, that's yeah. come later and, and then sure. then and pass you up in the market. That's tough. Who, so I understand. Who else was it? Was Steve Jackson Games involved too? Or were they looking at TSR? To b- not, b- not that no, I, not at all. Not that I know of. Okay. I, no, it was uh, Ryan's, uh, Ryan Dancy's company, okay. uh, All Rock Entertainment Group, Legend of the Five Rings. Um, right. He and John Zinza were good buddies and they were working on it kind of together somehow and they were and you you bought them and they moved you moved a lot of them that came yes up here yes now. we uh, bought tsr um we gave offers to i guess about 80 percent of the staff that mm-hmm. was there and most of them took it we relocated them to seattle um you know which by the way thank you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, i mean so. some of the folks that came along during tsr now branched off done their own thing like yeah. wolfgang Bobby, oh, yeah monte um, cook wolfgang yeah. Bauer, uh yes for sure you know two two great examples of of great talent I mean, that were at the company and you like the godfather it seems like you know see <laughs> 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 only the godfather would not admit that they're the godfather <laughs> No, 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 no. That's that's uh, that's great. Bruce Cordell, mm-hmm. uh, another great designer who was there. Um, yeah, and and I think it was a lot of fun to mix the corporate cultures that were there. You know, I think at uh, Wizards we had a culture of very critical, analytical thinking that Magic the Gathering um, mm-hmm. uh, provided, uh, honed those sorts of skills. Um, but we never really did a very good job at story telling right we never okay, you know right. we didn't do a good job of turning magic into sort of a, a big fiction line the way tsr mm-hmm. had and then tsr had kind of the opposite sets of skills so right. trying to trying to create a company that was the best of both you know try to get mm-hmm. that analytical skill inside dungeons and dragons and trying to get that story right. skill um, and so when you took it over did you go were you the one that said look we need a new edition Oh yeah, immediately. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like to take it was enough. It wasn't like nobody had thought of that right. idea. Yeah. Right. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, and certainly there were people at TSR who had been thinking about this. Um, so, right. but yeah, that was like the, the the very day that we bought the company. Uh, had all hands meeting and said, "Yeah, absolutely, we're going to do a third edition of Dungeons and Dragons." Were there any ideas that you had in doing third edition, or was it more of, "Hey, you guys, you team, you you figure it out"? Oh, or did you I, give them guidelines? And- I was very actually, I was very involved in it. Um, that not, I'm not a game designer. I'm not mm-hmm. going to take any design credit for it, but. Um, uh, I was very opinionated as to what it should look like. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had developed tons and tons of house rules, like many mm-hmm. people had, mm-hmm. uh, uh, based on AD&D, second sure. edition. 
And so <clears throat> I, I helped decide who was going to be on the team. And I had the team report directly to me. And so when I did hire Ryan Dancy and put him in charge of TSR, I was like, I'm let you know right off the bat, you're not going to have much to do with what third edition rules look like. Those yeah, guys yeah. are going to report to me, and you're just going to deal with that. And he was like, I don't care. You just gave me a job. So great. That's awesome. It's like, here's how I like to play with my D&D, and here's right. why. Mm-hmm. Right. And so let's do it this way. Right. Yeah, and I think that it was um, – uh, you know, I, I like 5th edition. I think 5th edition was mm-hmm. a, a big step in the right direction. I think it's a better edition than 3rd edition for where the market's at right now. But I think 3rd edition was a great edition for where the market was then. And one of the things we said very firmly with 3rd edition is, like, we're not afraid to have a complicated game. Yeah, right? right. I mean, yeah. you know, we're, it's, this, this is, uh, you know, Magic the Gathering has proven to the world that geeks are okay with complicated yes. games. Yes. Well, we, we're supposed to be into math, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have noticed it's still, people still play it, and of sure. course, you did, I don't know whose idea for the open license stuff, of course, then Pizer That was the, yeah, Ryan Dancy was a big uh, uh, advocate of the open gaming license and D20 and all that. And how, and, uh, how did you feel about that? I felt you fine, know. you know. Uh, the first product we did was it was the Primal Order that I that I published like ten years earlier. Right, right, okay. Uh, yeah. Was designed to work with other game systems as mm-hmm. opposed to being its own game system. So that was kind of in the DNA of Wizards anyway. Right. Uh, I thought it was a great idea. Um, Wizards never really followed through on what that strategy was in some mm-hmm. way. I mean, this was a way of getting us out of the business of producing lots of modules and adventures and campaign settings mm-hmm. because we realized that that's, that was the low-profit piece of the business wow. and the high-profit piece of the business was the rules themselves. Um, and so we never... Anyway, but... yeah. So I think the strategy could have worked better, but for one thing is it got almost every game company producing stuff for our system. Oh, yeah. It was, it was huge. And right here in the Pacific Northwest, which is even better, yes. I think. <laughs> yes. You have to let's add Chris Pramus to the list. That's of right. As we were talking about earlier. That's right. Yes. So, so when, let's talk about your, when you left mm-hmm. Wizards. Sure. Um, was it, is it, is it the fact that Hasbro came in and gave you an offer and you decided now is the right time? Or was it, hey, I, I want to do something new and you contacted Hasbro, how did that work out? Yeah, so, uh, well, uh, in terms of the acquisition itself, uh, there was um, uh, there was a guy there named Tom Dusenberry who for a long time had been a fan of Wizards of the Coast, mm-hmm. and we'd see each other at conventions here or there, and he'd, he'd be kind of like, hey, when are we going to buy you? And uh, <laughs> I'd go, well, right now, yeah. right now, I don't think I'd get a fair evaluation. Yeah. I'll call you later. Yeah. Right. And so uh, at some point, you know, I called him and said, you know, say, hey, we're ready to sell. And it was mainly because we had a lot of shareholders who on paper were worth a lot of money, right. and they're like, "How?" But I can't buy my house with this private equity. Yeah. Sort of stuff. Yeah. So, so th- there was pressure to do that, and so so we we did the deal, and I was offered the position of running Wizards uh, as a division with Hasbro, and I did that for a year and a half, and and loved it actually. I, I really enjoyed it, um, but at some point, you know, you just realize, well, you've sold your company, uh-huh. you know, and mm-hmm. I wasn't really part of the the strategic vision of Hasbro um, right. so I wasn't I never really quite broke into those types of conversations and so when they sold off all the interactive rights to um, our games mm-hmm. to Atari um, 
that I was like, okay, yeah. without talking to me first. Yeah. Like, like I wasn't involved in that decision. That's not cool. I was right. like, well, I mean, it's their company. What they want to. Still. To me, it wasn't a matter of that's not mm-hmm. cool. It was a matter of me recognizing I'm not in a position in this company. Um, you know, they they're they're going a different strategy than what I think is the right strategy. Right. You know, because um, the president has asked me, hey, okay, you've made this business is worth several hundred million dollars. How mm-hmm. are you going to make it even bigger? And I said, well, that's. I'll tell you how we'll make a MMO for Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. This is before yeah. World of Warcraft. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's make a Dungeons I mean, and Dragons IP MMO. Is right? valuable. I mean, and, that's one thing. And that's what we were. That's what right. I was working. That was my passion at the time. We'd had a studio. We had twenty-five coders and artists working mm-hmm. on it. We were a year into it. And, Can you uh, imagine coming out with, with that first? No, <laughs> I, I, uh, I I think it would have been worth a lot of money to Hasbro. Wow. Um, but yeah. hey, but you know it's okay. I mean, it, it was mm-hmm. I, I was I've had. A lot of fun since then doing other things. Um, yeah. I told them on, on the way out the door. I said, "Hey, I know, I know, kind of how you feel about mm-hmm. what's in this package called Wizards of the Coast, and I know that at some point you're going to decide to wind down or divest certain mm-hmm. elements of this business um, because right. Wizards, as a standalone company, has a different strategy than Hasbro does as right. a conglomerate. So, um, if you ever do that, let me know because I might be interested in buying something. So, about a year later, they gave me a call and. They said, huh, how about Gen Con? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So yeah. I bought Gen Con uh, uh, from Hasbro a year later. And, and, and you're, doing, you're doing this Gen Con stuff. You're doing some other entertainment stuff. And you seem really happy. You seem like doing oh, your I'm, own thing. Oh, I'm so. very happy. Yeah, very happy. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, uh, yeah, tell us about the. We'll get to Gen Con because that's yep. a big part. But yep. you're also doing the side thing too. Yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing. I started a. Um, uh, well, I did one game company that was mm-hmm. a total bomb. It's called Hidden City Games. I think it's good to have some, you know, some failures on your resume. Failures, 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 failures yeah. make you stronger. They say <laughs> yes. that's what you learn a lot from failures. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, you know, uh, I did have a, a a company go totally pear shaped on me, um, and when it. We wound that company down in 2011. It's called Hidden City Games. I um, I kind of crawled into a cave and didn't do much for a while. And then uh, I came out of it. I said, hey, you know, I'm going to go to film school. So <laughs> just, Why not? I just want to do something totally different. I know, right. Something that has nothing to do with games. Sure. I just got a change of venue. Uh, so I went to film school and um, for a year. And I came out of it. I started a film company. And we're doing a... a a world, a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. We're telling a story about a fantasy world. It's called Chaldea, C H A L D E A, and uh, we have a mm-hmm. website, worldofchaldea.com. <laughs> right. cool. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, so, um, it's a it's a big epic fantasy story that we're told telling in a combination of uh, comic book art mm-hmm. and live action film. Okay. And um, so, how did this Chaldea um, idea spur? Mm-hmm. Well, Chaldea was, is based off my old Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, inspired by lots mm-hmm. of things change because you really, at that point, you say, okay, what works for a good D&D campaign is not necessarily a good story. Yeah. Right? Right. And so, okay. But we look at the D&D stuff, oh, we have a lot of different interesting things we've created over the years. And so um, uh, my buddy Steve Connard, who was one of my co-founders at Wizards of the Coast back in 1990 and um, was worked with me at Gen Con, so he's he's my uh, main business partner on, on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're writing scripts and making art, and there's a pilot on the website called, oh, okay. called War okay. Room. So if you go to uh, worldofchaldea.com, there's a, a pilot called War Room if you want to. So you, uh, 
you know, not familiar with the entertainment industry, is it is it you have this pilot and you shop it around, like you take it to Netflix? No, or or I'm how not. Does that work? I'm not doing that route. Uh, okay. What I'm, uh, our strategy is that the content all be free. Uh, and then when, you know, of course, not much is going to happen on the site until the first season comes out, which will be another couple of years. So when the first season comes out, then we market aggressively in the geek community, okay, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, which I, I hopefully have the right connections to make mm-hmm. that happen. Just And since it's free, hopefully that will, uh, you know, have a lower, low barrier for people to coming in and checking it out. And then you use traction, traffic traction, to leverage that into licenses. And that's a model I'm much more familiar with. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you start off with licenses for comic books or novels and stuff like this and then you know if we're really lucky it leverages it up to where we get interest from an HBO or something like that well just to let you know Paul and I were in a couple high school plays so uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think we can dust off our acting ability (laughs) perfect if you need some old dudes right (laughs) that acted once 35 years ago so uh, any chance of us seeing maybe a you know with D&D 5th edition maybe a Called the uh, adventure or something like that. Is that, is yeah, that possible? I, I, it's certainly possible. Um, I haven't really. You know, that's not the focus of what we're doing. Sure. Right, right now, I look at it as like the focus is tell a great story. Right. right, you, right. Gotta, you know, people have got to fall in love with the characters, and uh, and and we just force ourselves to think of this as a story first, and okay. um, uh, and then if. And, and certainly, you know, if it becomes successful and becomes a thing, then licensing or right. campaign setting or something like that. I wouldn't do it myself, though. I'd license it to, you know, one of the companies that's in the business of doing that. Well, I, I just don't want to get back into handling inventory. That's really <laughs> what it comes down to. I don't want to do sales right. calls to Walmart anymore. No, I imagine not. <laughs> wow. Plus, you're so busy. I mean, you're still doing Gen Con. So Gen Con, we just did Gen Con 50, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, Gen Con. So tell us about Gen Con. Oh, what my you God. See for? You just came off of a successful uh, Gen Con. You broke some more uh, records. Rec- yeah, I, lo- I love Gen Con so much. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when uh, when I had the chance to, to acquire it mm-hmm. from Hasbro, I was immediately yes, this is a great idea. Uh, what I love mm-hmm. about it is that I, I first of all I, I just love everybody, so oh. it's like throwing mm-hmm. a party for the whole gaming industry. Oh yeah, definitely. And then all the exhibitors that used to be my competitors or suppliers are now all my customers, you know. And so <sighs> that's just kind of like I feel I, I love that aspect. And yeah. then the growth of mm-hmm. geekdom and and has done a great thing for so many game companies and for us you know it's gen con has grown so much in the last six seven years that um it's really turned into a nice business well, as well well finally i can go yeah i went to gen con people know what i'm talking about uh-huh. beforehand it was like yeah hey, i want to go to gen con it's like gen what 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 is that <laughs> <laughs> oh good good <laughs> oh. yeah and then this year was particularly exciting because it was our it was a gen con 50 50 mm-hmm. at gen con and uh so it's funny because sometimes people meet me and know that I own Gen Con, and they're like, wow, you started 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes. I was yeah. six years old. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Gen Con was started by Gary Gygax before he invented Dungeons & Dragons That's with true. Dave Arneson. It was, um, uh, it, it was a wargaming convention. And, and then it has right. adapted as every new – as gaming has evolved, Gen Con has evolved to include all types of gaming and now it's uh, four best days in gaming. Well, a lot of people think Gen Con. Well, the reason the Gen and Gen Con is Lake Geneva, right? That's, yes. That's, that's yeah. why it was called Gen yeah. Con. Uh, well, it's a triple pun. It's, it's Gen or Geneva Convention. Oh. 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 The Lake, okay. Okay. Yeah, Geneva Convention, Gen Con, mm. or Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which is where it was uh, founded. 
Um, right. So, yeah, that, Gary was quite clever. <laughs> That's why it sounds so familiar the first time you hear it. Right? It's already kind of in your head. That's brilliant. I think so, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so you had They Might Be Giants last year. I That's didn't, right. I we didn't been, get to go. We had They Might Be Giants, which is a classic for us. We had um, They Might Be Giants. We... When we bought TSR Wizards back in 1997, Mm -hmm. the first Gen Con after that, which was just like three months later, we really wanted to celebrate and send a message that it was a new company and it was behind Gen Con as well as Mm -hmm. TSR. And so we had a street party. We we got City of Milwaukee to close down the street out in front of the convention center, and we set up a stage, and they might be giants. Oh, that's just heaven. Performed for us. Nice. At, on that stage. Oh, that's great. In 1987. Man, I cannot imagine. So, yeah. So, we yeah, we brought them back. They were excited to be brought back. and Yeah, we're still in business. Very like, cool. Yeah, we're still a band. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this year we had the Gen Con 50 Museum. Uh, with lots of artifacts, mm-hmm. and I think you met my dad, who was uh, I did. He's I a big him, Magic the Gathering dad, collector. Did he make that the, the history of yeah, Magic Evo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. <laughs> he's great. he's a very um, uh, he's a big Magic fan, and he's got a great collection too. So is that how you got into gaming? Is through your dad? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I grew up playing games with uh, you know with my dad, my family, whole family played games, but of course. Military games mm-hmm. we got into yeah. with, with my dad, right? My dad, I got yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm running my. Uh, I got three boys. I'm running them through a D and D adventure right now. So, I'm the DM. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Of course. <laughs> good. Of course. So. Winston would just try to kill you every time. Yeah, well, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you also went to Gary Con. Yes, I I, I go to like? a number of the conventions. Yeah, I, I went to Gary Con. Um, well, I I got to meet uh, Luke Gygax. I got to meet yes, uh, who's in the National Guard, California National Guard. Yes, mm-hmm. he is. I want to meet him. Someday. Uh, <laughs> he's got a lovely family. Mm-hmm. He's, I got to meet his brothers and sisters. Uh, the joke at Gary Con was that you walk into a room and randomly encounter one D six Gygaxes. Nice, nice. So what's yeah. the future hold for Gen Con? What are we going to see? Uh, any expansion? Any like, like what packs at Gen Con West or Gen Con East or what? what more do you? Well, think we envision? we're our our focus is on the the, the one show. Um, mm-hmm. We you know we had kind of uh, some bad experiences trying to do multiple Gen Con shows sure. in the past. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's very difficult to get. Um, exhibitors to want to do lots of shows, and we've got and there's other people out there, you know, yeah, sure. trying to yeah. do shows. So I I think we're pretty content to stick with the one show that works really well, mm-hmm. and um, and figure out how do we maximize it? How do right. we just make it as I mean, you know, sixty. 70,000 people is not That's, an intimate experience, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. how do yeah. you how do you make it? as non-corporate as you can? How do you make uh, it as friendly as you can? How do you make it as smooth in terms of getting ticketing and all and all the different things that you can? We, we have a lot of, of work just on the logistics side. And, and how can we you know, pull people away from the center of the convention center during choke point hours uh, so that we can accommodate more people at the convention? Uh, we're going to do more stuff in Lucas Field. I think it's great that the geeks are oh, at yeah. the football stadium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I said opening ceremonies last year. I said, hey, you know, this is so great. We've gotten so big, we've overflown into the, uh, the football stadium. <laughs> we took over the jocks. <laughs> and as far as I know, there's never been a Colts game that's overflowed <laughs> into the convention center. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, oh. Yeah, do you, do you have a, a vision of what that what you're going to do with that stadium 
next year? Is it still going to be kind of a historical site? I think, um, well, no, we, we're not bringing it back to the museum, sure. at least not. It, you know, it's, it, it was special because it hadn't been done before. Right. You know, it's the type of thing that could be special again in 10 years or something. But um, uh, I'm not exactly sure. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I know that uh, Dave Hoppe, our new president, is working on some good ideas, yes. but I don't know what he's willing to <laughs> do. It's some interesting things, but I don't know what he's ready to talk about. So I'll, I'm going to punt on that one. Cool. Cool. Anything? Uh, I think we should probably plug some stuff, make sure we get it out there. Oh, yeah, definitely. So Gen Con, I don't know about that, go to GenCon.com. Yep, yep. And Caldea, go to WorldOfCaldea.com. Yep, mm-hmm. WorldOfCaldea, C-H-A-L-D-E-A.com. And cool. the, uh, our pilot's called War Room, so if you go to the War Room tab, okay. you can scroll down and watch uh, watch the film. It's a mixture of comic book art with voiceover and sound effects and score okay. and live action mm-hmm. films. So uh, nice. when you watch it... Uh, you know, be sure in, uh, around minute eight and a half it turns into a live action film. So that's kind of the, a little magical moment there. Okay. Are we going to see you in the film? Do you make a little appearance no, there? No. Peter the Wizard? No. <laughs> uh, no. No. I do not. Uh, I, I don't like to uh, be on that side of the camera. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm happy. You know what mm-hmm. it is? I can't memorize lines. You know, I tried it. But, yeah. Uh, we can um, write them cue cards. I'm, I'm, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine in, like, interviews, like, sitting in, sure. you know, shooting the breeze. But uh, doing a performance, uh, I learned to act is a lot harder than I thought it was. They had to remember yeah, their lines. They had to remember where they step, uh-huh. the blocking, and all yeah. that stuff. And then didn't sell it. And then repeat yeah. it several <laughs> times and sell it, yeah. right? And then do it exactly the same way uh-huh. you did the last time. Exactly. Right? 20 more times. Oh. And badges are available right now for Gen Con. I don't think so. I think badges are, it's December. Yeah, Yeah. no, badges are not going to be on sale until probably late January. Yeah, it'll take a while, then they have the hotel lottery and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) But I love it. I can't wait. So, Peter, thanks a lot for letting us. Thank you for having me. Oh, yes. All right. All right. And hopefully we will see you maybe at uh, OrcaCon. I know you're a busy person, and uh, you can be a civilian. Yeah. Play games. Play some games. Sounds good. All right. (laughs) Once again, it was such an honor to go down there and talk to Peter Yadkison and hang out with the guys at Gen Con, Jake Tice, those guys. When we walked in, they were playing a, a game of... Diplomacy. Diplomacy, which yes. is really cool. Oh, jeez. That was really cool. Yeah, really cool offices and stuff. And what, what, what was your take? I was just I'm both blown away. I, I was totally blown away. First of all, I didn't realize how much goes into the operations of a major convention like that in terms of the planning. I mean, they do it all year it's round. terrifying. And they get a full staff in there, and that's all they're doing is planning. Yeah. Um, Calling people, getting interviews, getting panels running. Well, I, there was one person whose sole purpose is like designing the floor plans and all of that. And I'm sure they were doing other stuff too, but I just, man, I tell you, it's just... It's, Seems very complicated and um, time yeah. t- time consuming. Oh, yeah. You were saying it's a tight marketing. show, right? Like when oh, you're yeah. there, it's tight. So I mean, I can totally imagine someone's full time job being floor plans. You're like, oh, these people dropped out, so we got to right. switch all this around. And well, yeah, and then making sure like you don't have the same type of like people next to each other. Like you don't want mm-hmm. all of your RPGs on one row. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as good as Orcacon, but you no, know. yeah, I think that's what is right. Yeah. Now we're not going to be invited to Gen Con anymore, but ever. Uh, ever. I'm going to go again. Go <laughs> I'm going to try to go. Well, maybe. You want to take me with we, you? Well, well, let's let's talk about we'll make that. It a real All right. <laughs> Someone <laughs> needs to come with I'm me. I'm going to have this. Someone needs to come with me. 
You can just listen to Steve's voice the entire podcast. You can just have Steve's voice the entire podcast. I gotta have somebody. Greg Greg was with me last time. Okay, so I think that was a good uh, episode. It was. Just one more thing. Orchicon.org. Yes. Get your passes. Mm -hmm. Get your rooms. Mm -hmm. You have until December 26th. Yes. For pre-reg. Assuming this podcast makes it up there before then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. going to. Yeah. No, no pressure. No, it has, it has to, to now. Yeah. Steve's got nothing but time. <laughs> Good luck, Steve. Ooh, oh boy. That's why I got to teach you guys how to edit. Actually, what? What? Joe yeah, did it one time. Joe knows. You need oh, to know. Okay, good. Not right now. Yeah, I'm looking Joe right at you, Paul. Joe could do it. I don't need to know anything. So, with that, embrace the nerd, and I hope you make that saving throw. Cascadia podcast featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. Do, do you actually do it now? I hit the record button now. Yes, thank you, Kelly. You missed it the first two times. I did miss it the first two times, but now we got it. All right. Hey, everyone. This is Doug.